Hey. Hi. How's everybody doing? Uh, this is your host of the Pursuit Podcast. Uh, I am Mr. Adam X. This is the Audubon Collective. And again, you're listening to the Pursuit. I'm going to get right into these. I'm going to keep these short and sweet. Uh, I just got done driving 12 hours, which was planned, but semi not planned. Uh, I bought a van for anyone who cares about my life. I bought a van on eBay and I got there and it was an absolute piece of garbage. So when I went to pick it up, I told him absolutely not. I didn't give him any money. So I had to turn back around and drive my rental car back to Buffalo with no van. So that's where I'm at. Again, short and sweet. I uh, want to give a shout out to my sponsor this week, Revel Bikes. I have a Revel Rascal on order. Uh, people I talk to, they're starting to get their bikes in that they've ordered. So it's getting really exciting. I love Ra- uh, Revel Bikes. I rode Jabbers and I was instantly hooked. And I, I, how do I get one? How do I get one? How do I make this work? So maybe my timing's off with loving mountain biking and going into ski season, but I don't think there's ever a bad time for a new mountain bike. So check out revelbikes.com. Uh, they are still doing a giveaway. You can win a Revel Ranger. Go to loveyourbrain.com. Make a five dollar donation, and you'd be you can be entered to win to for a drawing. Five bucks. It's a great donation, great cause. Loveyourbrain.com, revelbikes.com. And I have another sponsor this week. Uh, you guys are familiar with this one, Sierra Nevada. We love Sierra Nevada. People love Sierra Nevada. What what other beer would you drink when you're done skiing, done biking, done cycling, done going for a hike? Reach in your cooler, grab a cold Sierra Nevada, grab a Pale Ale. And if you're not really feeling a Pale Ale, grab a Strange Beast Hard Kombucha. Sierra Nevada brewed. It's the, you know, the kombucha taste that we love, but with the booze that we also love. So grab yourself a Strange Beast Hard Kombucha, kombucha booch, whatever you want to call it. I love me some booch, so Strange Beast Kombucha, little alternative for drinking beers while we're, I don't know if it's any healthier for us, but in our brains, kombucha is healthier for us, so when we're training and getting ready for that uphill ski season, grab yourself a Strange Beast Hard Kombucha. And now, let's get to our main event, Andrea Slusarski. Uh, I practiced saying that, so Andrea, I hope I did you due diligence uh, I just want to yell sluice. I don't know if anyone calls you that, but that's your new, those are, we're best friends now. So that's your new nickname from me to you. Uh, her Instagram handle is at drawing from nature. She's an artist, plain and simple. She's an artist. She's a creator. She's a coalition snow ambassador, wild barn ambassador. The most interesting, I don't say the most interesting, but a fun fact about Andrea, she brings her sketchbook everywhere she goes. And as you listen to this podcast, you'll totally understand why she brings it everywhere. And we talk about it and how important it is to stay creative and continue to be creative, even when it's not that fun or easy. So again, short and sweet with this intro, I do want to touch real quick um, this weekend So October 15th, if you are in Bozeman, Montana, her artwork will be displayed with um, Bomb Snow. They're doing a 
a showing of the latest creation of Benji Creative. Uh, they have a new film, ski film. I believe Jake Hopfinger's in it. I interviewed him in one of my first couple episodes, so if you want to go back and listen to that. Uh, but her artwork's in it. Her artwork will be featured. So again, October 15th in Bozeman, Montana, if you're around. Uh, the Big High Mile Sky. So her work will be featured. We didn't talk about it. We missed it. So I promised her I'd get it into this intro. And again, I tried to make that as fast as possible. I really apologize. So we're going to make this really fast. And here it is. And Andrea Sluice. Okay, Andrea, when you are ready, I am ready. Tell everyone kind of who you are and how many hats that you wear. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Hi, Adam. And, you know, again, thank you for inviting me on here to chat with you. Um, excited to join your list of cool people that you talk with all the time. Uh, my name is Andrea Sluzarski. I wear a lot of hats, like you said. Um, I am an artist. I am a creative. I am a professor of art education. I love to ride my snowboard. I love to draw outside. I almost always have a sketchbook on me at all times. Uh, that's a very fair question to ask me. And I, you know, I, I'm, I live in Denver, Colorado. I'm a creative. I, I try to see creativity in, in everything that I do. And I feel really grateful that I'm able to like flow that in between snowboarding and, and teaching and, and, and creating. So, so that's all the hats, but the, I, I kind of feel like they all connect and yeah. I love that you've hit like every one of my notes already. So I'm like, I'm out, I'm done. I have like flow <laughs> written down and sketchbook. Uh, so notes are useless for anyone who hosts a podcast because you go through and then you're out. But did you born and raised West Coast? No, uh, great question. I am from the Midwest. Okay. I'm from North Central Illinois. And what brought you from Illinois to, did you, I mean, was it school? Was it work? It was gravity. Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how gravity works. There's more of it here in Colorado. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I grew up in Illinois and I went to school out in Illinois. I love being from the Midwest. Um, but you know, just kind of like dream, just goals, like move out, out West and paint some landscapes and, and snowboard some cool mountains. So that's, that's how I got here. It, you know, I wish it was like something more appropriate, but it was like, I got a teaching job because I always wanted to move here. And that was about Did 10 years ago now. Did you get the job first and then that's what helped you move? That's yeah. that's that, that's very rare for West Coast people. Most people are like, I just threw all my stuff in my Honda Civic and I was like, I'll figure it out and go from there. Where did you go to college? Not to go like, we don't have to go like too deep into it, but where did you go to college and what did you study? Because you and I and maybe I'll offend, but sometimes that's what I do. You're like a professional doodler. Like, I don't want to take like doodle, like yeah. doodling is very hard and like, I can't doodle, but did you like, you don't study doodling in college. <laughs> no, um, if you did, I, I totally missed out on my favorite major. Um, I went to the university of Illinois and I studied painting and art education and the doodling really you know, to kind of like 
talk about doodling in like a, a way that I like see drawing. Um, it, it was really in my undergrad and kind of learning about not just art making, but also like, how do we, how do we understand art? How do we teach art? How do we learn with art? Like that's like the psychology and like how art impacts our brains is, I've been just fascinated with that since I was like 19 years old. Uh, that is where like drawing has been like really big for me is that I, like I use drawing as a way to like I don't know with my students like get them to like really think about ideas or really explore ideas and myself like drawing is just a fun way to to journal or to like capture kind of moments or or experiences so that's where the doodling comes from I studied drawing for a long time um I've also been drawing my whole life so it just is like you know, once I met the fact that like you could study like drawing and learning and art and brains, like it all just kind of like blew up for me. Yeah, because I think art is so hard, right? It's so subjective that mm -hmm. like how and when you when you go to school for art, that's why I asked the question. There can be a lot of teachers that don't necessarily understand the doodle, the art of the doodle or anything like I I didn't. I didn't study art, but I took like art classes and I took art in high school and I always battled with my teachers who were smarter than me and probably just trying to get more out of me. But like, I remember drawing something which was like, I am not a, a artist in that sense. Uh, I'm very good with a camera. I have a great eye. I photograph weddings. That's what I do for a living. And I pride myself in that. But when it comes to like pen to paper, like horrible. And I drew the goat from the Nord the hunchback in Notre Dame. And it was my best drawing ever. I think it's I think that's what he's from. I think that's the goat uh, in that. That would be my guess. But I was in high school. I don't know why I drew it. It's the best artistic representation from my hand to pen in my yeah. life. And my teacher was like, that is garbage. And I was like, that to me. Like, that is my, like... If I could find it now, I'll send you a pic. I think I framed it and gave it to my sister and was like, this is the coolest thing I'll ever make as far as like not tracing. But I remember being shattered, long story long, because she didn't understand like my art. And I was copying something like I wasn't tracing, but I was but that was the closest I could get. And that was the best I could do. So I don't know. How do you deal with that now as being a professor and like a student comes to you with their work and you're like, that's garbage. But I don't know if I'm asking you, that properly. No, you are like really Adam, like honing in on something that makes me super curious about art and learning. And also like, because I'm super curious, it's like very much on the forefront of how I think about teaching, how I think about art, how I think about creativity. And, um, you know, that's kind of one of my whole reasoning, you know, back it up to my undergraduate, I, I was very fortunate to be in a, in a really good group of art educators. We're like, we stressed more the process and, and being able to connect with your own art making as like how you should be teaching students. And, and you know, that, that is not in all art classrooms, right? Like not every art teacher, every art classrooms the exact same. But I think that like there's a special kind of magic that an art teacher can bring when they shift the focus of that creativity equals drawing. Because creativity does not equal drawing. 
creativity equals drawing for me. Creativity equals photography for you. Creativity looks like so many different things to so many different people. And when I'm teaching art educators, like that's one of the biggest messages or goals that I'm always trying to communicate is like, how are we teaching everyone to benefit from creativity? Because I think it makes your brain feel good, right? Like when, when you lose track of time taking photos, and I think everyone that listens can like think of a time that you were like, whoa, where did the time go? Like you were so into that thing. You were so into the experience you were doing, whether that was taking photos or drawing or sometimes riding my snowboard. Like, like that's what we should be teaching kids in school is like find that flow everywhere because that's your creative voice. So that's kind of like my little art teacher soapbox all in a nutshell, but you definitely like bank it where it's like, I am definitely of like a camp of art teachers and art educators who are like, nah, man, we gotta get people to, to see themselves as creative beings. Cause that's what I think people are as creative human beings. But how do you, and there is no answer for this, but uh -huh. like, how do you teach that? Like how do you, oh. cause I think people are lazy, right? Well, <laughs> it's easy. And like me in college was, was, lazy so I can be like well this is my art it's a it's a blank piece of paper and I just scribbled on it and like there's artists out there that probably do that and they have some I don't know the, I'm looking at a, a banana right now someone taped a banana to a wall and yeah. sold it for me and that's lazy but they called it art and whatever and people can criticize me and I'm not an art critic and I don't understand it and I'll never understand everything and how could I mm -hmm. but I think specifically dealing with college kids, not all of them, mm -hmm. me, I can only speak for me as a college kid, shortcut all day, blank piece of paper, draw something represents you circle done. So like, how do you, there's no answer. How do you yeah. push? How do you try to trick them into trying into being creative? Cause there's a fine line between laziness and creative. Um, well, number one, you know, I always like recommend like the art room's like such a cool space, like build relationships with your students, no matter like how big or small they are. Um, there, th there is no solution to that, but I really think that like when you design your courses or your learning or your experiences in a way that involve your students, that involve their voice, you know, then you can kind of get a little bit closer to that because the number one killer of creativity is extrinsic motivation. So like, that's like, so such a paradox, right? Cause like, what is school if not extrinsic motivation, right? <laughs> but if you can like really instill that, like that little light inside. And I, and I say this because, and, and I don't care if you're five or if you're 55, like, What's that little light in you that's that intrinsic motivation? Because that's going to be the thing that gets you to like go that extra step or, or, or dig deeper in that. And, and we're not going to do that on all subjects. Like there are some things that I'm just like, but that's okay. I think like just teaching people to kind of like figure out what that light is for themselves. Um, I think that's a good start. 
do you think Does that makes sense yeah yeah i mean sure there's no right or wrong answer it's i mean yeah. it's literally we're talking about art you can talk about anything yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's a banana tape to a wall and it's worth millions or an nft my favorite though for my favorite though for art would be like even like saying this to like high schoolers because i taught high school art for uh a good chunk before I went into this new role, you know, welcome to art class where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Like <laughs> it's literally imagination land, which is yeah. cool, but how do you pitch that? And my, that, which leads me into my next kind of question is, okay. do you think you being a cool hipster, uh, credible, like you're a skier or snowboarder, you're a mountain biker. Do you like flex that in your first PowerPoint presentation and be like, this is who the F I am and this is who you could be? Because if I was a student, again, only speaking for me, that would help me. I took uh, like classical music okay. class. I don't know. In in college, it was just filler because I didn't want to take art. So I had this was an arts class and we literally listened to classical music and our exams were like listening to classical artists and like we had to like write down who they were and what that like you had to like memorize and i didn't give i could care less and then i found out my my teacher was like a i, I don't know famous flutist like he played the, but he was like he like slapped on the flute and it changed my whole like this guy i don't give a shit about the flute but that guy did and that made me care that's a very long-winded question but to sum it up do your students think you're cool? Do they know you're cool? And if they knew you're cool, do you think they'd be more willing to learn? Um, you know, it's definitely, it's not a flex uh, at all. I don't know if they think I'm cool or not. Um, I have taught like, you know, from high school all the way up into undergrads. Um, but I, I do really think that like living an authentic creative life is something that I, I really try to teach my students. And I think in order to teach is I always like kind of as a teacher am just like, how am I, how am I listening to my own lessons? How am I, how am I being the model here to like actually provide like real life examples? And I, and I try to really practice that vulnerability in the classroom. Um, so, you know, I will share with them like what I'm stoked about because let's be real. I talk about snowboarding like all year round. I just picture you like walking in first day of school and like dropping your back, like your Osprey down that you like, that's your artwork. And you're like, like you don't say anything. And then someone compliments on you like actually. And then you just like, <laughs> but I think the whole goal and I'm bringing this word back at this podcast is like, no one wants to be a poser. Right. Yeah. Not in our professional lives, not in our in our fun lives, in our whatever, in our lives. We don't want to be posers. And I think you answered the question by just the prop. The PC version is being authentic, like be you. And I think personally that that can be hard for anybody. I mean, I'm again, I can I just speak of my own experience. But like this is my podcast now. This is my show. Jabber's had a show for five years. So I'm like, I can't be Jabber's show. I'm not. I'm me. I'm, I don't know. I'm me. I grew up different. I grew up blonde hair, blue eyes. He grew up Muslim in the ski industry. Like we have totally different worlds of coming up and it, it can be hard. So finding an educator like yourself that says be authentic is refreshing. So hats off to that and hats off for not being posers. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, and if there's someone who's going to sniff out like you being a poser, it's a 15 year old. Uh, so I had a lot of practice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I couldn't imagine teaching 15 year old me or any 15 year old at this point in my life. Did you know you want to be an educator? Um, no, I actually didn't. It it was like back to you know, like digging into like the psychology behind art and, and how it does really impact, you know, how our brain muscles are working. Um, and, and, and learning art education was a really fun way to uh, take something that I was super passionate about my whole life and, and learn about it from a completely new angle. And, and, you know, like teacher me inspires artist me and artist me inspires teacher me. So you know, that's something I really like to communicate to art teachers and artists. And just like you were saying, like, you have to be you like that is when creativity is awesome. Like, and that's when people can see it and recognize it. Um, that's hard, you know, kind of figuring out who you are and, and what you want to do takes time. And I am of the belief that it's always in like a flux and like a balance, but like, that's kind of like the Zen that I learned from snowboarding and and being an athlete is that it's kind of this, you know, and I think a lot about athleticism too and teaching how it is just kind of this process that you get better at or you learn or you're constantly just a little bit every day getting, you know, a little bit more into what you're passionate about, which is cool. How do you manage teaching and being an artist and an athlete? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> there's no answer. Survive. Survival. There's, there's, there's no answer. Um, I talk a lot about balance. I talk a lot about seeing it all kind of holistically. Right? Like, usually if I'm, like, really having a hard time teaching, it means that I haven't, like, moved my body. And I maybe, maybe need to go for a bike ride. Like... And it's always going to change and it changes with the season. So that's why I'm like such a, uh, for my students, especially, and, and for people who want like creative advice, I'm always like, keep a journal, keep a sketchbook, like start building processes for yourself, like processes for yourself to find that balance. Cause I often like have a check-in every day. Like, was I creative? Was I grateful? Was I curious? Um, and yeah. I, and I, know. I think you touched on a little bit, but creativity doesn't have to be drawing in a book or like, like, I don't, I don't, I hate naming athletes, but a pro snowboarder, that's their art. So that's like creativity, like, right. Like Riding a snowboard is, is so creative. Well, they have style and they have a certain way they do a grab or make a turn. And like, that is their art. So when I photograph that people are like, is that, I'm like, that's the easiest stuff to photograph sometimes because I'm not, I'm just, I mean, there is art behind it, but like they're painting the picture. I'm just capturing it. Um, I read an article years ago, but it, I don't remember who it, who it was. But the photographer talked about filming with Tom Walsh okay. and photographing Tom Walsh and how hard it was to photograph him because he was so good that he'd only he'd do it once. He'd get it. And the photographer would be like or the filmer would be like, ah, you got it you have to do that again because we weren't, you know, you're ready, you're dialed, but like, I think we can make this better. So it was like an interesting article because 
he's doing his art and he's so good at it that you have to like make sure that everything is set up and proper and you know dialed for when he hits it or she hits it whoever but in this case tom walsh but do you ever fear or i guess it does it let me rephrase this question does it get easier to submit work to your clients as far as like like i delivered a wedding today and i'm like waiting for the email back to say like these are magic or like these suck it never gets easier for me it never i never feel like it's good enough does it get easier for you do you gain more confidence in what you do as an artist and even prior to what you do as an artist when they're hiring you what you're going to deliver i think that's important for artists people listening to like think about mm. does that mm -hmm. question make any sort of sense yeah no it does and i'm just sort of thinking about it because i would say that like i kind of operate on different levels with that but um for example like i really value creative collaboration and sometimes like to collaborate with another artist or a brand that you're kind of doing more like back and forth like leaning into each other's strengths like you have to be kind of a little bit more open to where the process is going to go uh but for projects that i've done a couple times and i've had some project like some success with um you know i try to like think of those like pretty systematically so that i can be like really effective in my art because you do get better at it right like just like a snowboarder who like just has like the style and can nail it in one grab like think of how many hours that person spent like if you ever see anyone making anything look good like remind yourself the amount of hours that went behind it no matter what um Oh yeah. So, so that's kind of like the, that's kind of like the answer to that. Like, yes, you get better. Cause like you yourself are refining your skills. Um, but as an artist, as a fine artist, like I'm always trying to kind of push boundaries or push ideas. So I'm, I'm very comfortable with that risk-taking, um, while also being very comfortable with process. Do you ever find clients that, and I don't, I don't want to insult. I'm not trying okay. to insult. Um, I just don't, you know, there's not always the right words, but like your product is raw. And that, in my opinion, that's your style. It's a doodle. It's like refreshing to me, mm -hmm. but some companies want like clean, crisp, a stamp. Like a, if we're doing a logo, it's a stamp, right? That's like the typical, do you ever have clients hire you and then you deliver something and they're like, well, that's not, I don't know how, how to ask that question properly. Mm -hmm. Like, and this is a question for everyone to hopefully get an answer to, or your opinion, at least, whether it's an answer or not of like, how do you say no to clients? Let's put that. Like, how do you know, like, this doesn't fit. If you want Photoshop, uh, magical twilight behind you for your wedding, that's not me. I know that. And I'm going to tell you that. And like that photo is cool, but that photo is also like, the laser background in your eighth grade photo. It's it's not a timeless piece and I won't deliver it because that's how I sell my work. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good question. If there is a question in there. Yeah, I, I, um, I'll rephrase it. Like you're kind like, 
you're talking about just like clients and like where's the line between staying authentic and, and you and your creative voice while also delivering something that needs to fit in a template or needs to fit in a product scape uh, that can be really tricky um I will say that I feel very fortunate that I have figured out a balance to where I have a full-time job that really feel like feels my creative and artistic goals. Uh, so that allows me to say no a little bit easier, right? Like there's a lot, like I, that's a privilege to be able to be choosy if I so want to. Um, not everyone can afford that. So I think like it shifts more into thinking more dynamically as a creative on how you can like still honor your voice and your process while working with the client. But I also think that to be authentic and to like really make good work, I'm, I'm really like reflective on when I say yes to projects. Like I want it to feel good because when I feel good about the time the the idea uh that i know that work's going to be better because my heart went into it a little bit better how would you say you got to that point a lot of trial and error <laughs> a lot of a lot of like um reflecting on like what worked what didn't work um being really honest with myself and, and I don't know. I think all creatives maybe go through that time. Mine just happened in like my twenties of, you know, being an art teacher, being a creative and, and what works, what doesn't work. And then like really valuing and like honoring, like where your priorities are. Yeah. Like and I, 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 yeah. What? I was just going to say, I think everything comes full circle back to you just being authentic. And you knew that fortunately for you at a young age to just stay true to yourself. And maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but that's what I took from it of like, just be you. And I think that's a huge lesson that's always easier said than done, right? Like just being you is, it's hard. Trends are, trends are trends and they go up and down. And like, ideally, if you're being you, you kind of don't fall for those trends and you just stay your course and trust what you know and enjoy. And that keeps you true and authentic. And that's hard, like you said, it's so much easier said than done. Um, I think moving to a new place was a good, you know, system shock to make you think about things. Um, I think there's a lot of ways that everyone can kind of experience that reflection, but. Move across the country. <laughs> no, don't move across the country, it's not <laughs> the easiest. Um, but, you know, you know, I think just like even, I don't know, thinking about like what does align with you and like where do you want to put your time and attention to because um i i i have students read a couple books and it's funny i say attention because it's literally just a lesson i taught and it's from austin cleon have you seen his books they're like little art books mm -mm. um they're they're books called steal like an artist keep going and and there's a lot of artist quotes in there about like pay attention to what you pay attention to. I like that. And Yeah. And that's like just such a good way to start seeing like where you're naturally going. And, and as you grow that attention, then you can start to like really build it or really decide if that's serving you or not. 
So, um, but you know, I was going to say back to like accepting jobs, like, you know, I also love artists and I, and I really admire writers and people who kind of like stand with their beliefs or, or really work with clients that kind of like air quotes, like on brand, right? Like, I think that also is like such a cool thing for creatives and collaborators to get together on like similar stoke. Um, I just recently did a snowboard design with Coalition. That's like been my, my biggest one. Uh, Coalition Snow is a female owned six ski and snowboard company. Very so familiar. like, it like made sense to like make a board for them. Like it was like, I was stoked. They were stoked when you can, when you can figure out those connections, like that's when you get cool art. I agree wholeheartedly, which brings me to my transition here on you being mm -hmm. an athlete. Uh, my question first was going to be, do you consider yourself an athlete, but you've already called yourself an athlete. Um, uh, so, I mean, we can answer it again, but you did call yourself an athlete earlier. So I call myself an athlete in the way that I really value sports psychology. Like I personally feel myself that it is through movement that I have learned a lot of lessons. I have worked through a lot of stuff like moving usually sideways, slipping down a mountain. Um, that is such a great way for me to learn. And, and when you learn about sports psychology, when you learn about like how athletes can get to like a high level of performance, the same thing is for an artist, right? It's time, it's dedication to your craft. Um, so when I say athlete, I think it's more of that mentality that it's like a whole system with yourself to be like athleticism and being in sports has like taught me so many lifelong lessons that I just can't get rid of because they impact teaching, they impact drawing and that's big. But to be fair, you're also sponsored or an ambassador, which we'll call a sponsor, yeah. but that's sponsored. I mean, to put it under an umbrella of sponsorship, there's, there's ambassadors. You fall under that umbrella of a sponsored athlete or a brand ambassador. Right. Right. Why do you think brands care about you? <laughs> I've been really <laughs> trying to like hone in on this question. Cause that's I think it's question. so interesting. Like, I to uh, transparent actually we're both on um Wild Barn Coffee. Yeah, I'm a Wild yeah. Barn ambassador as well. Uh and it's I got like a piece of advice a long time ago with my first ever sponsor was Smith Optics, which like what an amazing like first sponsor yeah. to have. And I'm not like no one at the Smith office knows who I am, right? Like they're not to this day. I'm still I still ride with them. Like but no one knows who I am. I'm not anybody. But I, I got free, quote unquote, goggles every year. And I was 20 and whatever. I was pumped. I'm 35 now. I've been with them I've 15 years of stuff. That's amazing. But Pat Morgan, he works at Mountain Creek. Uh, he's the marketing guy at Mountain Creek, said, it's not what the brand can do for you. It's what you can do for the brand. Mm -hmm. uh, and that quote, whether he knows it or not, has lasted with me for 15 plus years. So why do you think brands want you to represent them? Well, as an artist, 
and and researching you know art his like like artists that I look up to and admire and, and just like kind of like trying to figure out like what it means to kind of be a creative like building really good relationships is so important to me because it's those relationships that I feel like fuel like the next kind of crazy good idea right and and to like trust someone with a creative crazy idea you have like you know I have friends like I want my friends to like trust that I'm gonna pull it off or like like there's such a, it's so like building that relationship has been something that you know I've been really fortunate to like meet some cool people in the outdoor industry to to have some cool friends doing some really cool stuff uh so you know for instance I've been on the coalition snow ambassador team for four years now um I'm stoked like they have a, a mission and more of like a community that they're building that they want like different writers and female identifying and and non-binary and and they're really like trying to build a community that's inclusive in the outdoor industry um and so to be like asked to join something like that as an ambassador felt really good and i love sharing art with them i love being able to like share that community with others uh and they do like a lot of really cool scholarship stuff so like that was a no-brainer um wild barn again like number one can we talk about how much rock like that's rocket fuel it is rocket fuel i talked about it on the podcast with with her i was like this is like i need like less like my eyes start to drift but they said they're coming out with small cans which will be very beneficial i'd rather have eight small cans than four big cans i was yeah i was really happy to hear uh jenny and yours podcast that or that was a great one so um, thank you, you both to she that. was fantastic so it helped. <laughs> her and I are mountain bike pals so you know in order like to be a part of her woman female owned small business that I enjoy another no-brainer right like that's a cool way that we can like use our strengths for each other and I think just supporting each other in this industry or just in our creative adventures all together it's really big. So I, again, like I like to model stuff like, right. Like is that something I think about and I think is important. I, I think about it a lot and I try to do my best. Do you ever find yourself saying no to brands that you're not comfortable working with? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's all that needs to be said for that. Yeah. But I think people need to hear that. I think, uh, I think it's important to say, to work with brands that you actually care about because free is a loose term. And I just talked it on my, the podcast with Aaron Bible that came out yesterday. Cause he's, I listened to that one. he's a reviewer and he gets a ton of free stuff. And we right away we hit like nothing's free. Like you're putting even your take all of the work that goes into it. You're putting your, your ego yourself, your, your brand on the line. If wild barn does something insane which i trust that they won't because i work with them but like if they put out like a horribly non-pc statement or like like i wouldn't work with anybody who i thought could do that mm -hmm. and i think it's for young kids listening there's power in no um there's power in like this brand doesn't fit and there's some weird brands that you can work with that don't necessarily fit but really fit 
Like I, I work with Sierra Nevada. I don't drink. I do not drink alcohol. Like I, it's not that I don't drink beer. I don't drink alcohol, but like all their fact, all their breweries are like hundred percent sustainable and renewable energy. And I'm like, those are things I can get down on. So like I can promote a product that my friends really dig. So that's cool. Like they tell me it tastes good and I believe in their morals. So it's like a funny ambassador sponsored life. And I think there's power in no to saying no to brands. But I also have to say that too, that like I don't, people will call me out my bluff if I didn't just say what I just said. Cause that's why I work with Sierra Nevada. Cause I do believe in the other things that they do to produce a product that I might not necessarily use. Um, mm-hmm. uh, real quick take on coalition snow. Mm-hmm. I, I've known about them for a while now. Cause Ashley Hutchinson is on them. I don't know if you know Hutch, she's got a big yellow <laughs> sprinter van and lives yeah. out in Tahoe. Um, she's been with those guys for a long time. So I knew about the brand and then I was watching some pitch show. It's like a shark tank, but it was like an out yeah. outdoor shark tank. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. But so the owner of Coalition, excuse me, I don't know her name. Yeah, Garecki. Okay. She's on there and she's pitching this outdoor female inspired, uh, female graphic designers, female designers, female skiers brand. Mm -hmm. And Bodie Miller is one of the pitch guys. And he's like, I'll give you 3 million for everything or whatever the number was. Like, I don't remember what the number was, but it was like an obscene number for a small ski business. Like she, that's coalition small. It's growing, but it's a small. When you're talking Solomon K two, she and she just basically told him to f off, which was because yeah. I was like, take the money. Like that's the dream, right? Like sell out, take the money. So as little as I know about coalition, um, that will ever, that will forever stand as like the biggest power move in the industry. And I always hope nothing but the best for that brand. Um, because she wa- she could have retired. She could have been done. Um, so hats off to that. I, that's insane. Like, I just want to tell that story to everybody because it's absolutely insane. And it goes back again. We'll come full circle about being true to yourself. And she was like, I can't sell. If it was a female owner who or female investor, she probably would have taken it, which would have been the smart business move, arguably. But. I'll never forget. I don't know what it's called, uh, but I like remember faces and I remember Bodie's face and I remember hers face. Like absolutely insane that she said no to that. But if you're a female looking for an all female driven ski snowboard brand, Coalition is 100% the answer. They shred. They shred. And even beyond that, though, what they stand for and mm-hmm. and back it up for that, they backed it up for me forever. Like you just mm-hmm. want like. That's the goal. I, I'm the guy who'd go on Shark Tank and be like, I want to give you 98% of my business. I don't want to do anything. Uh, Mark Cuban, just send me 2% of royalties because you're smarter than me, and I'll go skiing every day. And, and you know, I think that story that you say is, like, that you give is just, like, the ultimate example of just, like, living by those, like, morals or, like, what you believe in. And that's what makes good art, right? Like, that's what they're building with coalition snow and it's really exciting to be invited to be a part of that to to talk with other females about their brands um i'm a pretty like small chick 
Um, and I've never been able to like move a snowboard around like I can theirs until, you know, like, and I've been riding them for like now, like five years or so. Yeah. And I think, uh, the girls over at womb cork are like, they're, they're shining light on all of that. And that stuff, I, they're the like, best, by but the like, way. I, yeah, they're amazing, but like, yeah. I don't think about that stuff and not because I'm like a rude middle-aged white man, but because I'm a blonde haired, blue eyed white guy who grew up middle-class, like my ski boots, I can get as much flex as I want out of them. And I, my skis are built for me. And it's, it's interesting because I'm learning and that's all I can do is shut up yeah. and learn. And that's what Aaron said to me yesterday. He was like, the only thing we can do is shut up and listen and, and hopefully have conversations like big stick energy is having and having you on as a guest to just like, listen, this is, I'm a small girl and I've never had a snowboard that I could manipulate that I could completely my term would be manhandle, but that would be the wrong yeah. woman handle. Um, but like completely just like, this is made for me and for my size and for my, you know, my foot width, like my stance. And it's, it's cool to see brands small and big, maybe starting to think about it at least and not just pink it and shrink it. Right. Like just like my favorite term, but that's, it's it's different. Our bodies are different. Females are. And go ahead. They, I was just gonna say, and like the pink it and shrink it, like that was like my intro to ski and snowboarding, which which made me like always buy like all boys clothes and stuff. So I just look, you know, such a little punk, but it is nice when you got and 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 the fact that like a a female can like just think of different things that like you said, like you just wouldn't know. So it's just fun to support that. Yeah, and it's fun that we're having the conversations. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't understand a lot of it, but all I can do is listen. How mm -hmm. would I understand? It's nothing I've ever dealt with. Yeah. Jabber and I talk it off the record all the time. And we're like, all we can do is listen and learn. And that's what we try to do. And we fortunately have a platform to discuss it openly. But mm -hmm. I've never had to dealt with half those things. Yeah. And that's for me to pretend to relate would be complete bullshit. <laughs> it's like I'm 200 pounds. I've never had a problem flexing a ski on the simplest things. Like I'm a terrible skier and I can flex a ski because I'm fat. Like that's fine. That's what it'll always be great. There's plenty of boot options for me. There's plenty of doors that are open for me. No one's in my DMs. <laughs> like it's like it's nothing I can relate to. It's a bunch of fanboys who want to know about vans in my DMs. Like I'll show them to the world. Like it's it's different. Yeah. And acknowledging it is all I can do and continue to learn. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm just excited to even ask about Coalition Snow because I just I'm so excited with everything they got going on. Like yeah, she's a badass. A they plant a tree every ski and snowboard you buy. Uh, they have a cool ambassador team that, you know, is very intentional and on, on what people like. There's some sick females and non-binary and just cool people shredding out there. That it's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting to see. It's really Especially exciting. Because like I have been kind of like the only girl in the park. Yeah. In like the Midwest and <laughs> and you know like. It was fun. I wouldn't trade any of it for the world, but like 
the fact that like I always like think of like 15 year old me like how stoked she would be to like know that there were like other girls out there who liked things that she liked 100 percent. and the platforms change too right now like the world's gotten smaller because of Instagram and Zoom and Facebook and we lost it for a day and it showed it like it everyone was affected no matter if they want to deny it they were like Everyone went to Twitter and was like, what do I do? And it was crazy to not have it for six. It's pathetic, but it was like, we're connected. This is how we all connect. And, you know, 15-year-old you now, and I don't want to date you with age, but it's different. It's totally different. And there's good in that and there's bad in that. Mm-hmm. But it would have felt pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I feel the same with 35 year old guy in the park. Now I'm like, there's other people out there like me who want to hit a rail still. Like I walk up a lot of hills or mountains, but like I'll hit a rail once in a while. No talk about uh UST gear a little bit. Cause I think that's important. Um, and I don't know much about it. That's why I'm just blanket statementing that blanket statementing that um, I was one of their like kind of first rollouts of new ambassadors. Um, they're really cool. They were really rebrand of affordable, like camping gear and more just like getting outdoors. And, um, you know, when they came to me, they, they pitched like wanting to make the outdoors more accessible, um, in terms of cost, in terms of like how you camp, how you just kind of get out in nature. Um, and I, I was excited about that. I was like, yeah, you're right. Like we, we should have like all different types of outdoor recreation and and how can we all support each other that way so working with ust and um kind of their branding their gear um was a way to to do that but their their own company right it's not like a recycle reuse company it's new stuff that's just a little more affordable for everybody to get into mm-hmm. and and they completely rebranded more with like recyclable packaging and they really like kind of started to like like their business model completely changed to be more sustainable and more like lean into like what they were valuing, which was helping more people get outdoors. Um, new people, people in, you know, different social economic statuses, like my family camped, like we were big outdoors people growing up, but not everyone has that opportunity and it's a lot and scary. So, um, it's so intimidating. You know, it's so intimidating. And I don't know how to get rid of that. Like even like camping is intimidating, which it shouldn't be empathy for people. That's true. But no one has that. We need it, but we don't have it. It's hard. It's hard. But, um, you know, I, I try to, you know, bring those kinds of intentions because I can definitely get like grouchy if like someone's like blasting their music on a trail, you know, like I try, I I try. But when you get back to empathy and, and then, you know, really think about like, what's a proactive, like I'm, I'm always feel like what's like the positive solution here. And so like with my art or with my Instagram account, can I, can I shed light on those ideas? Can I like use my art to like share a different message? Um, And that's why I think the beauty of art is, is that it can solve a lot of our kind of problems in a fun way. (laughs) Yeah. It just shines light on like, See, when I'm at a trailhead and people are loud, I'm like, aren't you getting up at five in the morning? Because I am. 
So like go to bed so I can get up. But then I'm up and I'm loud and I know they're all sleeping and I'm going to go rip like four pow laps before they even think about getting up. So it's uh-huh. it's great. I try to like just hand them more booze like, yeah, get on bomb so that I get this to myself. That's how I promote it. I just like keep going instead of being grouchy. I'm like, oh, yeah, you guys should stay up all night. That would be great because then I will get the turns in the morning. Do you have and use a, your soldier van too, right? It's gone. See, I have um, I have a very special little van. I saw it, the, little Ford, right? It's a Ford Transit Connect. Connect. Tell the me about it. Tell me made. all about it. <laughs> I just sold my van Tuesday, uh, like yeah. officially gone. Uh, but it's like my oh, it's- seventh vehicle in seven years. I just sell vans. I'll buy another one by. I will have another van by the time this airs. Um, oh like guaranteed and I'll build it out in six weeks and we'll be I'm a psychopath in that way I love, I love vans tell me about your little transit connect yeah no that's why I wanted to tell you that I had the Ford transit connect because you discovered you for transit right yeah 350 oh. cool um no it's really funny I drove it out back for years and it finally you know just reached it's like hundreds of thousands of miles and I was in kind of like a little like dump about it and then one day i was like i'm gonna get a van and then and then i went and got a ford transit connect <laughs> i think everyone should own a van everyone should own a van they're you like one the average cost of cars is insane like people spend 40 grand on average on a car two vans are like functional like even if it's a minivan it's so functional you can sleep in it you can fit mountain bikes in it you can fit friends in it you can fit skis you can fit snowboards you can fit rafts like the fact that everyone doesn't own a van is insane to me and and i try to um you know in the last couple years and and definitely I, i don't live too far from my campus so i i try to bike commute in denver i live in a really cool spot to do that so i'm not driving it all over the place um but for those of you who want a visual in your ear holes, it's like a little cable guy van. Like it's like the little like, like it definitely sounds like a golf cart some days, but like it kills it in the mountains and it is so functional. Like it's, it's a work van. I take, like I haul like supplies around in it and, you know, I also sleep in it. Yeah. The they're the best. Did you build it out? Um, a company here in Denver called Contrabands I have built out. I kind of did the pricing and realized that <laughs> it's a lot of work from what I was going to, I was going to spend on supplies was like going to be pretty comparable to my quote. So yeah, but that's and great. I was, and I was going to be, you know, I don't have like a, a garage to do that kind of woodworking and, and like back to what I've been saying this whole time, like let people lean into their strengths. Yeah. If they're good at it, why, why fight it? Yeah. It's, yeah, I literally have van written down on my on my thing on my list here. Uh, let's talk <laughs> sketchbook. Let's talk Vandal. sketchbook. Uh huh. You carry a sketchbook everywhere, from what I gather. Pretty much. Do you use it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is it ever a struggle? Always. Not always. Not always. Back that up. I just think that like keeping good habits can be a struggle if you're not intentional about it. Um, Making a commitment to draw or write every day 
there are some days you're tired. There are some days that you're not in a good mood, um, but how can you be intentional? And, and for me, like building a habit, um, you know, I'm just such a researcher and learning design that my sketchbook has just become a habit at this point. Um, and I can definitely tell if I let that lax, right? Like I, I don't feel as connected to my drawings or, or maybe I'm like, I don't know, and not the greatest of moods. Um, but for me to be like who I want to be every day, like taking a little bit of time to sketch or work in my sketchbook is important to me. That's a great answer. Um, yeah, that's a great answer. There's no rebuttal on that answer. Cause it's, if you would have said, no, I love it. I would have said bullshit. Um, <laughs> and I think that's real. And I think that's refreshing to hear cause it is work. And like, I see you go mountain biking and you bring your sketchbook and I'm like, no, if any of my friends pulled out their sketchbook while I was on, while I was mountain biking, well, I'd probably be pumped because I need 20 minutes to sit and get my breath back. But do you ever like, are people like your friends I know are supportive, but are they like, like put it away and let's go ride bikes. Uh, the, the like scene in my head that is like completely different is, um, not so much friends, but my dog, Lucy, <laughs> she loves to backcountry ski. And so when I have the sketchbook out, like she has literally like, <laughs> like ripped it out of my hands and, and been like, uh, we're done. Yeah. We're Sit. let's go. Like, 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 let's get this show on the road, mom. Um, you know, with the mountain biking, it is usually a nice reprieve. Uh, so I don't get a lot of pushback on that one. Um, I also really like that creative challenge of like, you have three minutes, right? Like I sometimes will do a drawing on a chairlift. Like you have a time limit. Um, that's a great drawing exercise to get out of your brain and, and just kind of look at something and, and draw what you see. Uh, so I'm very fortunate. I do have a lot of backcountry pals and, and hiking pals too that will let me sit and draw because it's going to happen. And I think it's really refreshing that you share it. Like you share a lot of your sketchbook and I'm sure there's plenty that you don't. But if anyone goes on your Instagram and looks at it, it's it's a lot of doodles, a lot of unfinished doodles, a lot of just like you spoke about flow, but like you can just, I can't, I'm not going to say we could see into your mind, but like, it's not, it's just like pen to paper. It's not, and I'm not taking that away. I'm complimenting you for that, that it, cause it is refreshing to see an artist as yourself, like be vulnerable in that. And like someone could, I'm sure you've gotten plenty of like hateful things on Instagram. We all have but it's refreshing to see it. And it's just like, this is my train of thought at this moment. And this is how I viewed this on paper. So thank you for that. Well, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. I appreciate it. Um, I also like how it helps me remember things or experience things. Um, pulling out your sketchbook is good for your brain to remember that stoke of the day right so what i do is i take these sketchbooks and i take these drawings back into my studio and that's what i can put into a snowboard design or put into a, a painting um so it's kind of really making that you know the sketchbook is my bridge to the outside world 
do you still do most things we'll call it like organically or do you uh, organic's not the word analog or do you find yourself like using an ipad or an ipad pro or a surface or something like that and has that for you does that have the same feel or is the sketchbook like the old, like the other side of the pillow? It still feels great. That's a good question. <laughs> um, number one, I really just enjoy the sketchbook habit and the process. Like I, I studied drawing, I studied painting. Like that's how I flow uh, in one way of creating. And um, I also like collaging and making maps and and kind of doing like the nerdy word doodling and words like right it's also like a, a learning thing for me um <laughs> and i do share a lot of it on the internet i don't share all of it because sometimes it is just like my journal <laughs> for sure i mean yeah absolutely <laughs> like someday you know maybe like a funny grandchild of mine will just get like a whole box full of the same sketchbook and be like who is this kook it'll be like the uh, Kurt Cobain diaries <laughs> just like no one was ever supposed to see these things ever no. like and where what was that question again I kind of lost my train of thought it was more just if you and you kind of answered it just if you find a home in the sketchbook versus like an iPad hmm. pro, which would probably be oh. arguably easier. But here's what I'm going to also talk. Speaking of 15 year old Sluby. Okay. Sluby. Um, yeah. Slu. <laughs> um, Procreate is the shit. And it, you know, just, thinking of myself and in, in terms of being an artist and and kind of the art world right now like it's a new tool it's a new process um so i'm super curious by that and i find myself um going back and forth uh procreate has allowed me to like do way faster edits or way faster drafts for clients so it's actually like a really good tool that has helped me collaboration way like I can like sketch what's in my head really quickly on a digital drawing and like email it to someone instead of having to like describe it or explain like my scribbles in a sketchbook um and again like 15 year old me would be blown away by like the stylus like it feels like drawing it feels like you still get that that connection that hand-eye connection that I get from drawing um, because technology hasn't always been that way. Like I've been in college with like a Wacom tablet, like terrible cursing, like this is like the stupidest thing. Like you're trying to like match like an imaginary pencil to like a line on the computer in front of you. And you're just like, I'm going to freak out. Yeah. There was a time where it was really hot in photography editing. And I was like this, I cannot do it. Like it doesn't, it doesn't work for me or it didn't work for me. So. But the, the iPad thing, and I asked, and I'm glad you gave an opinion on it, because I know a lot of tattoo artists that are like, dude, it's changed, it's changed the game for me. It's just delivering, like, you know, you when you get a tattoo, you, like, talk to the artist, like, I don't know, I'm thinking, like, a spaceship and a, a Dogecoin and the moon, and you, like, give them on a skeleton and a banana and space, and then they're like, okay, here's what I got. And, and like, with, with Pro Tools or Procreate, it's, like, here. And then it's so quick, just, you know, pen to paper to 
to world to email. Um, so it was, it's interesting to hear your opinion on it because you are such a, at least what you show on the Instagram, a sketch pad doodler. Mm -hmm. So it's cool to hear you say in the professional side of things, it's just, it's a tool and we have to adapt and like evolve because they're there to help us. And it wasn't always <laughs> that way. Um, right. Go ahead. And, um, and I was also going to say like for like tattoo artists and, and just sometimes like when you're like trying to get an idea down, like edits are so much easier digitally. Right. Like I can like copy that layer, erase that one thing that you wanted changed and like, in half the time than it would be to like retrace the whole drawing resubmit like you know like everyone's processes can be like you know how do you just use your tools to make them better um yeah yeah no i think you answered it i don't think there's a right or wrong answer just like there's not a it's just it's a tool and why wouldn't we use it and it's one of the best that's been available to us yet and it's only yeah. going to get better which is awesome. Yeah. Um, real quick, I don't want to take you too much. We've been chatting for an hour, which is great. Oh, it's flying um, by. It is, right? It goes fast. Yeah. Um, you've mentioned flow, and you mentioned mm. flow a lot in everything that I've researched. Describe flow for how you value or see or when you hear the word flow, what does that mean to you? Because flow to me has a meaning. What does it mean to you? Um, that's a great question. <laughs> deep cut. Uh, deep cut. Um, well, first, I'm going to go into like some definitions, and then I'll go into like personal. You're such an educator. I'm so stupid on this side of the line. <laughs> well, let me set up the learning targets for you, Adam. Uh, no, um, Number one flow, and and I've practiced this name a lot. So so for those of you who are like, wow, she's so brilliant. No, I, I've actually practiced this one in the mirror a lot. Uh, one of my favorite psychologists, his name is Mihai McCheckmihai. Okay. That's what I've practiced a lot. And he wrote a book called Flow. Um, and it's more about the psychological experience of flow. And that's where I... You know, I've talked a little bit about sports psychology and, and learning. Uh, that's where like it really started to like really set fire for me and studying about art and, and connecting it to my own experiences as an artist. Uh, flow is this psychological experience that we can all experience uh, given like a certain amount of conditions. Uh, it's described the best way I can describe it in like terms for everyone to connect with is if you can think of a time that you've completely lost track of time. You were doing something that you were super into, right? Like for me, that's snowboarding, riding my biking is super flowy to me. Um, there's usually a little bit of a challenge in these experiences. It's not passive. It's not watching TV, um, but your brain is is in this this like complete balance of like learning and, and your own skill development, right? Like to be, to reach flow, you have to like build your skills. Uh, you don't get, you don't flow on a snowboard your first couple of seasons. Like you have to like 
know your turns in order to actually get to that level. Uh, so when you tell me about flow, I immediately go into uh, the psychology side of it and the, the way that it connects with so many people. Uh, I've experienced that myself. I personally try to look at flow as like my daily guide. Um, no matter what I'm doing, I, I try to reach flow. Can I find a way that the the work feels fun, that the work feels like I'm working with it and I'm using my skill set to the best of its ability? Uh, that feels really good to me. And I'm not the only person who's experienced that. Athletes experience that, creatives experience that, um, business CEOs experience flow when they're like, you know, it's like being in the zone. It's you just feeling so much like yourself that like nothing else matters. So that would be kind of where I would go with flow. And that's what I try to teach in the classroom is like, if I can get students flowing, like air quotes again, like confident in their skills, challenged enough that's where they're going to learn because they're going to like feeling flow and that's what i always try to get towards does that make sense i think if i was a 20 year old high college student i would have i'd be like what just happened <laughs> no i think it makes a lot of sense and the the easiest, when I hear the word flow, I think like I'm a motorhead. So I think of like gas flowing. That's like how my brain works. Okay, but cool. if you add the word state to it, like the flow state, now my brain takes it to where I think your brain takes it or a little closer. It's just finding that like consciousness, unconsciousness of which is who knows what that is, but that's flow, right? That is the flow that is it that is when you're doing something so seamlessly that like it's a mindless activity but it's not my like snowboarding you said you don't hit it till years because snowboarding becomes so mindless that you hit this flow state mm -hmm. and maybe my definition is wrong compared to your definition but it's just finding that place and I'm glad you defined it because you've mentioned flow a lot. And I was like, we got to get to that statement because people are like, what the hell is flow? What are we talking about? Yeah. Um, so I think you answered it. I don't think there's a wrong answer because I think flow or flow state or it's different to everyone. And it's finding that that like is like the pursuit of life, right? Like this is the mm -hmm. pursuit podcast, but like that you're always, yeah. you're in the pursuit of the flow of your, that's, that's where it works. That's where everything's running. Everything's fluid. Everything is working subconsciously and you're creative and you're at peace in your own mind. And it's so much greater than all of that. Mm -hmm. And if you can find that once in your life, you're absolutely crushing it. Um, no, it's a great, and I love that you added um, flow state because that definitely is like what people get to. And it's a good way to kind of frame it. I hope so. I hope we can all get yeah. there at some point. I do too. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Anything else? I think this was great. I would love to end yeah. on the flow state and flow. Um, you are such an educator and it shows through how you talk and you're very well spoken. So thank you for taking the time. I know it's like noon on a, I don't know what day today is Thursday. So thank you for interrupting your day. Uh, 
And thank you for being on the show. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. It's, it's fun. You know, a lot of these conversations don't translate well into Instagram, but I do love sharing with, you know, I think that way as a creative, like sharing with as many people that will want to listen either with their eyeballs, looking at my art or in podcast or in my classroom, like there's, you know, I, like you said, like, I wish for everyone to feel flow. I wish for everyone to realize that to be human is to be creative and and we need everyone's creative voices and that takes you kind of knowing who you are to add that and that's hard work and the more we can like share our journeys and our pursuits the more we can learn from each other so thank you for what you do as well thank for you your creativity i'm trying uh where can people follow you on instagram they can follow me on instagram at drawing from nature um, there's tons of links into that, but you will see lots of my sketchbook there. You will see some pictures of my Bernie's mountain dog, Lucy, once in a while. Uh, and, you know, back to kind of the balance and just to give people a fun heads up. Part of my professor schedule is that I do get to take a term off a year, which I call my shred badical. Um, <laughs> That is the ultimate balance. I still pinch myself and, and feel grateful every day that I um, am able to like do a lot of the things that I'm really passionate about, which includes taking time off to ski my face off. That's amazing. Well, thank you again. You were fantastic as a guest, so I appreciate it. Thank you. So now that you guys all know about the flow state and how to find it, I'm sure it'll be really really simple for you all to find the flow state uh andrea thank you again follow andrea at drawing from nature follow me at mr mx uh, i have to hit six thousand guys jabber keeps making fun of me he shames me not publicly because he would never publicly shame me but i'm i'm exposing him because i can't get to six thousand so please follow at mr mx follow follow at out of podcast uh we have some really exciting things coming we are working on some typography some logos some all types of cool stuff so that's really cool my homie chris damiani is working on it with me and jabber i don't know if i'm supposed to tell anybody that but i don't really care i don't really know who listens to the end of these uh, leave a five-star review like share subscribe uh, share the episodes if you like the episode share it tell your friends tag at Mr. Adam X, tag at out of podcast. Um, what else do I have to talk about? I feel like talking right now. I got some ums in there. I had a lot of ums in my intro last week, so I'm trying to work on that. If you want to know what I'm working on personally right now. I think I should thank my sponsors again because I'm really, really stoked on my sponsors. Please check out at Revel Bikes. Check out Sierra Nevada. Two great brands, great companies. They're doing things that I believe in as far as like sustainability and working with other brands and, you know, trying to make less of an impact while making these giantly impactful things. So shout out to Sierra Nevada. Shout out to Rebel Bikes. Uh, I'm really excited for biking still. I know people are into skiing. How long can this outro go? I'm just going to keep everyone listening. But for real, leave a review, like, share, subscribe, follow at Mr. Adam Max. Andrea, thank you so much.
next week I have Brendan Carberry, who's outside Brendan, who is the guy who makes like the ridiculous inventions for bicycle stuff things. And it's it's a hoot. It's a hoot of an episode. It is so much fun. Brendan's hilarious. Uh, he made a, a winch for a bicycle so that if you get stuck on your bike, you can winch it out. Uh, it's complete satire. And we talk about how the internet is crazy and people think he's serious. And this is my longest outro to date. So that's it. Finn. Um I'm your host, Mr. Adam X, and I will see you tomorrow, my friends. I will see you tomorrow.